Welcome to the Backstage Project Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Silver. In this episode, we explore the popular app for moviegoers called Timeplay with Aaron Silverberg, who's been with the company since its early days. Aaron, welcome to the Backstage Project Podcast. Thanks for having me, Mark. No, we appreciate it. We, we appreciate the kind of diversity and the kind of the skill sets and the experience of our guests and uh, happy to have someone who's been more in the you know, technology experience space. And uh, looking forward to, to having this chat with you today. So just to start off, a question we kind of ask every guest that comes on is like, how are you? Uh, doing well under the crazy circumstances we're, uh, we're all in. Yeah, uh, things have been good. You know, lots of great stuff we're doing at uh, Time Place certainly mitigates some of the other interference, I think. Uh, it's, it's great to have the opportunity to like pour your passion into something and distract yourself uh, a little bit from uh, what we know is you know, still a challenging time for so many. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree that uh, passion uh, supersedes a lot of things. I think it's a great choice of words there, for sure. So I'm sure that our Canadian listeners of, of the podcast are, are, are quite familiar with, with time play and playing it at, at Cineplex theaters over the years. You know, when I first encountered time play personally, I mean, it instantly brought back memories from my university days. So to date myself and our listeners will know that that would be the kind of early mid nineties. And so back then I'd go with my buddies. I think it was like a Thursday night. We play NTN on these like portable RF keyboards at a, at a pub in Midtown Toronto. I think it was called the unicorn. I'm pretty sure it's a condo or a Loblaws now. So you know, fast forward to almost 20 years and, and I've got a, you know, a nice slick iPhone in my hand. I'm sitting in a Cineplex and, you know, I see this time play thing come on the screen and, and I'm doing it with my kids beside me and we're drinking, you know, soft drinks and not, and not alcoholic beverages at that point. So how did the company get started and uh, how did you make the connection into the theater business? Well, it's interesting that you bring up uh, the NTN days. Uh, that was a very successful product in, in the 90s and it was deployed in a bunch of bars and people would go to and, and they would like collect hardware at the bar and put their, give them their license and use these clunky machines to connect uh, people together. And I think we kind of build off that DNA, but, but let, me, let me backtrack a bit, kind of the roots in the very beginning. Uh, our, our founder of Time Play, uh, John Huspin, uh, used to run a business. You probably recall it, but do you recall Palladium? Yeah, I absolutely recall Palladium. In fact, I think there's still one out there. And yeah, and, and Palladium was a destination gaming experience. So uh, it was like kind of like an Arcadium. It was like tons of, of, of arcades, uh, kind of predated the Chuck E. Cheese and Dave and Buster's type idea many years ago. So it was like a brick and mortar, I guess I'm okay to say that, brick and mortar uh, that had a bunch of um, uh, arcade games in there. People would flock to it. And, um, you know, the capital costs of expanding through, throughout Canada were incredibly prohibitive, as you can imagine, for that type of business model. So John uh, unhatched the idea, um, you know, as mobile devices were coming into the scene to basically uh, transform that model. So the same concept of social entertainment, bringing together people together, but actually leveraging off partner venues. In other words, venues that attract people in like cinemas, for instance, where they, 
you know, spend a lot of marketing dollars offer the product to drive kind of bums and seats. And then through a platform that was designed where you could use your phone as a game controller to connect with others in, in the audience. That's essentially how time play was, was unhatched, how the dream, how the dream became uh, a reality. And then as the, um, you know, as the advent of, of and, and the pickup and conversion of mobile devices continue to increase, we kind of rode that wave because we were in the early days. It was it was a bit of a challenge uh, actually to get people to understand what we offered. But as you know, penetration grew, it, it became uh, more of a natural. I mean, I think you would agree. Like mobile devices are basically part of people's anatomy now, so it's a much easier. Uh, a much easier dive in. It's not even a dive in to participate in an experience like this. Yeah, it's incredibly simple. And, uh, and thank you for sharing kind of the history. I, of course, uh, I'm familiar with Palladium. I think it's just one of those things in life. I, I drove by one, I think it was in Mississauga, if I remember correctly, outside of Toronto. And I'm sure I was just the wrong demographic at the at, at that time to actually go in, but, but I absolutely know, know about it. The so can you help maybe contextualize the, the relationship with, with Cineplex and you know, where that happened in, in the company's life cycle? Yeah, so uh, Cinema was, call it our, our flagship um, vertical. We, we uh, as I was explaining kind of the, the background of time play, uh, Cinema ticked a lot of the boxes initially, that, that, that industry, because uh, they had uh, our platform runs on two screens. It basically transforms a phone into a game controller, and then you connect socially with people on a shared screen. And what better venue for a screen uh, than the cinema? So, you know, the silver screen is the ultimate. So that's why we went to cinema first. So it had this, it had the screen, it had the bums and seats. Also, it had, um, you know, opportunity and need for a service like TimePlay because over time, uh, you know, people started coming later and later to the cinema and theater companies make as much or more of their revenue on media in the pre-show than they do on running the actual film and the concessions. It's a significant part of their media, but they're not going to make any return if there's no eyeballs uh, to be watching it. So there was an opportunity to engage people in the theater to get them to come early and provide a spark, uh, you know, to, to motivate people to, you know, to arrive uh, earlier than, than, you know, than, than the trends. Uh, so when we, when we approached uh, uh, Cineplex many years ago, we, you know, it was totally new for both of us and we decided to do a pilot. And the way that, uh, the way that it worked was that we were delivering entertainment. It was an interesting model. We delivered entertainment for consumers. It was free to play. And we provided, you know, a certain amount of minutes in the pre-show. Uh, and we actually made the arrangement work by selling interactive ads. So we basically um, crisscrossed into the media world, which created, which was a new tool for advertisers to engage with patrons. So I mentioned that media is a huge part of the revenue model for cinemas in the pre-show. And what Timeplay provided was um, through its interactive platform, a much deeper engagement because you were actually interacting with the content. So therefore on the out, on the, the outcome for consumers and brands was that uh, all the key metrics were a lot stronger with the Timeplay campaign, like the recall, recall was, was higher, the actual communication message and the motivation were significantly higher than typical uh, linear advertising. And just to wrap it all up, 
um, you know, over time, what we were able to do is steer the, you know, steer the oil rig and actually get people to come earlier to the point that we had third party research that 86% of people who played time play came early to the theater to play. So I think we, we, we actually overcame that issue ultimately. And, um, you know, it was a win, it was a win, win, win for us, Cineplex and advertisers. My, my experience with, with the platform has always been been great. Uh, I think my kids have it on their devices as well because they they want to play. They play against me when we were when we were still going to theaters. Hopefully soon again. You know the parallels to kind of the sports world and the operation of sports teams and venues. I mean, that's uh, it, it's amazing to to listen to you and kind of how the business progressed. And we're we're going to tackle sports in a minute. I don't want to go right to it. Our audience uh, gets enough of sports uh, in most most of our podcasts, so we'll we'll save it for a bit. And so while personally, I've only had kind of the time play theater experience, I know you, you've done so much more, so much innovation around the platform for sponsors, for events. I saw an activation around AR, augmented reality. What are a couple activations that really propelled the business forward? And maybe if you can kind of specify maybe when, when that was in your, in your uh, history. Sure. So uh, you know, anytime that you, that you, uh, without, with our model, it's very unique and motivating for consumers. I mean, they flock to it. They love it. We have 6 million downloads in Canada alone. So just to put things into perspective and, and we have like 90% awareness, like pretty much everyone knows what time play is. And it's not a fluke why that's the case. Cause it's just a fun, motivating way to engage. You know, we like to say a couple things we, that we turn downtime and uptime. And that's why I think we worked well in a pre-show movie show environment, but we also turn watchers into players. Like people are just seduced to want to participate. So that model works in a lot of different um, industries. As you mentioned, Mark, we've done, uh, we do meetings and events. Again, think of the, um, the reason why they might want interactive or, or additional engagement. Meetings are boring. Um, <laughs> I think it's known. Uh, and and what, what time play does for meetings and events is that it spices up meetings, it, it wakes people up, it, 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 it invokes participation. And also importantly, you know, again, just like adver the advertising model, it's very similar. It deepens the engagement, it provides deeper learning if it's a training session or recall or stuff like that. All that applies to meetings that apply with advertisers. And then there's also data that you get at the end of the meeting. Who, who answered what, how many people participated, were they all engaged? So that's that's meetings and events. We also, it's a very eclectic mix of, um, of, of verticals that we work with. We also have been working with cruise ships for many years. We're on all the major cruise lines right now. We're fleet wide with Norwegian Cruise Line. We're with Royal Caribbean and we're also um, recently uh, before the pandemic, we're starting to roll out on Carnival Cruise Lines. That's a whole other story what's going on there. But the reality is that <laughs> the reason we're on cruise ships is that um, cruise ships are all about um, entertainment. Once you get on board, it's like entertainment on steroids. And I think we're a really good fit because that's what our platform delivers. So we, we, have, lots of, we have lots of great case studies for advertisers over the years, how we've you know, um, broken through the ceiling on their objectives and, you know, have done a lot of great things uh, for them. But the thing that's probably more recent that I would focus on in terms of, um, you know, a, a proud achievement for the company would be, would be actually um, breaking down the four walls of venues that time play has been, has been in since the 
the beginning. Uh, we, we've been uh, a venue-based business where people come in, they're, we, you have a captive audience and, and time play runs in front of the cap, that captive audience. And when the pandemic hit, everyone has their stories, obviously. And, and our story is that uh, our, our main um, venues uh, are all uh, social, uh, sorry, our main business is all socially based. It's all you know, venue business like cinemas, cruise ships and events, and they all close down. And to this day, most if not all are still not operating. So uh, it was it was always uh, our, our dream to actually break down the four walls and, and uh, pipe time play into living rooms all over the world. And it was it, it was just that it was a dream because there's there was so much short term opportunity in front of us that we just never had the opportunity to get there, even though, you know, it, it was it was like the top of Everest for us. And and when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, it forced us to actually do a 180 with the entire uh, company uh, focusing on that dream. And we probably were very motivated and uh, we probably did um, two years of work in eight months to get this product out there. It was a huge heavy lift to actually take a business that's been ground level based, like with servers on the ground and um, you know audiences uh, all together in one room and actually move all the services of the platform in, into, into the cloud. And, uh, and, and then have devices connecting to screens and what's the second screen in the home. It needs to work with a laptop. It needs to work with a smart TV. So there's been a lot of heavy lifting and we didn't even know if we could pull it off, but I'm proud to say on behalf of the company that we were able to, to do that. So that's definitely sticks out. And it's also probably the most recent thing that, um, you know, we've been able to achieve uh, as a company. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that as the example. And I want to, I want to continue on under this train of thought. So, my kids introduced me to a platform called Kahoot, uh, which is which has actually come in handy uh, through COVID, where we've played against uh, other families uh, through Zoom. And you know, I'll let the audience go research what what Kahoot actually is. My question for you, just around that example of Kahoot, is what are your thoughts around opening up TimePlay as a platform for users to actually create? kind of the polls and the content and have it be a peer-to-peer -peer game? Yes, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. That's exactly uh, the roadmap uh, that, we're, that we're on right now. Uh, as we move into the home, it, it is our goal to create an interactive living room. And I would say the difference between a product like ours and Kahoot is Kahoot uh, probably is, it went from the ground up. It's like a PowerPoint, it's like PowerPoint it's like a more exotic PowerPointy type experience, whereas we came kind of from the cinema, very high in terms of quality, uh, to bring that into the home. So that's the delta between the two services. Like I would say, our content is is very rich, and for that reason, it's a little more complicated to just put it in the hands of users at this point in time. But it is something that we're definitely working on doing right now because we've recently launched into the living room. We're having a lot of success. Uh, is we're, we're, we're putting out the content to prove out the model. And then once, you know, once we prove out the model, which, you know, I think we're, we're close to doing, then we start to add a library of content and then actually uh, uh, create tools uh, similar to Kahoot to allow people to create, you know, experiences to play with their friends. Well, that is super exciting. So having uh, the passion that we've talked about a couple times here already to continue on your journey is, is so important. 
I want to I want to come back to kind of your background. We haven't touched on it yet, and maybe we'll just do it after this this next question because I don't want to I don't want to break kind of the mojo that we have going here mm. with uh, this line of questioning. So when you think about your your platform breaking away from the four walls as you described it, do you see a, a future where whether it's Cineplex or their scene points? Um, can be available to more of an open platform that isn't so tied to a ticket and physically being somewhere? I think by breaking down the, the so-called four walls, it's, it's very freeing in general because uh, in the past, we were chained to our venue partners. In other words, if you're a consumer like yourself and your kids, they wanna play time play, the only way they could have played time play before was to pay $12 for a movie ticket or whatever the case may be. And then they get the opportunity to play as kind of an add-on by, um, by, by, by going into, uh, by, by moving time play and its platform into the cloud. It is, it has the potential to be available anywhere, anytime right now, call it stage one. We're do, we're using time play more on an appointment viewing uh, basis, but we are going to be offering on demand. So, and live as well. So you could actually run it anytime that you want. So it doesn't hold us back from our um, previous model where it could actually run in a cinema. It's just different kind of under the hood delivery than before. Um, uh, but it's still, uh, it, uh, it, the future The future is as, um, you know, as opportunistic or more so as uh, than the past because of the way we've redesigned our platform. So, you know, we essentially, the whole shutdown and everything, as I was indicating before, is actually a silver lining for our the future of our of our company. Despite the real hard times, you know, we we come out better. No, I'm really looking forward to to seeing what comes of it, and I'm also curious about you know HQ trivia kind of came and went, and and you guys have a platform that can that absolutely can deliver that in a theater, and we'll be delivering that outside of a theater you know, very soon. How much were you following the, the rise and fall of, of that platform? We, we definitely uh, follow, followed uh, that, that whole trajectory because um, obviously we were in business in venues for many years uh, when it came out and it was, uh, you know, HQ is a mobile only experience. And, um, you know, it did, it did definitely skyrocket in popularity, became part of pop culture and then kind of oversaturated itself. And then there were some other issues with the founders and things like that, but it is up and running again. Uh, so it does run. Um, you know, we've always felt that uh, we, we're strongly differentiated from that product because um, of, the, of the second screen. It's something that's part of our DNA and, and there is a method to the madness. It's that second screen that drives a lot of the um, social engagement. It's like, you know, in, in the early days in venues, you know, there'd be 400, 400 people sitting in, in an auditorium, 400 strangers or whatever, and they would engage together using this shared screen. You know, the phone is simply an input device, but it's really all about using the phone to actually, um, you know, uh, as a controller, to display content back on the on the screen and then get feedback on your phone, and it's that circular loop of action, reaction, feedback, etc. That it's like a vortex that pulls people in, and that's what made time play so successful in venues, and will continue to make us successful at home. So, 
that is uh, our key point of difference um, with a product like uh, like like HQ. So before we get too far into this conversation, um, I, I wanted to backtrack a bit on you, just you personally. Um, like, how did you get involved, and kind of what's your your background, and 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 how long have you been with the company? So my my background is is actually in um, consumer goods marketing. Uh, I I went to Western for my uh, HBA and MBA, and then uh, I actually I've always wanted to do different things, and I think you'd argue at the time time play was probably different. So that's kind of the theme of my path. And and when I first uh, started out my career, I was looking to do something different in marketing. And at the time, I you know instead of going to the, the traditional route, like if you want to go to an uh, um, you know. If you want the marketing path, the golden path, you want to work at like Procter and Gamble or Unilever or Colgate. Of course, the CPG template. Yeah. Yeah, CPG exactly. And um, I actually uh, went to work at Loblaw Companies, um, which which is obviously a tier A uh, company. And and the reason I chose that company was that at the time they were just getting into like private presence choice brand, and that was you know that was transformational, obviously. So that was a that was what attracted me to that, and it was a it was a great experience. And and then at that point, I I ended up going to the, you know, the CPG. I worked at Unilever, um, Unilever for um, for many years. Um, it was like eight eight ten years in Canada, and then I also moved to the U.S. for a few years uh, at Unilever USA. And then and then um, this is where it got interesting. I came back from the U.S. wanted to do something different. I actually worked in the casino business. I I ran the marketing for the Niagara Falls U casino launch. So that was like, you know, to go from, I like to say soap to slots, Unilever <laughs> uh, to, uh, to, to casino land. But that, that was interesting in its own right, because, you know, I would get excited about launching a $1.99 body wash at Unilever. And here was like a billion dollar property um, you know, in Niagara Falls. So it was, it was really interesting experience. And it was, that's what, brought me into the entertainment, the so-called so entertainment space was that experience. And I absolutely loved it. It's a huge, um, it's a huge challenge, like bums and seats marketing, but the payoff is, is, is amazing when the stars align. And that was a really interesting experience. I spent a few years there and then just wanted to come back to Toronto. And that's when I bumped into John Husband, the founder of Time Who I mentioned, and just started doing some work uh, with him and, and the team consulting. And then I just love the product so much and the opportunity that I ended up, you know, staying, staying on. I've been with time play. Wow. It's been like probably like 13 years. I've been there now since pretty much the very beginning when there might, I might've been one of the first few, three or four people at the company. And now we're, you know, 37 strong and Canadian, Canadian company, Canadian roots. So yeah, that's, it's been, uh, that's been a fun ride. That's a great story, and we're we're gonna we're gonna come back to your uh, your experience in the uh, in in this in the legalized sports betting space in, in a few minutes. But before I get there, I wanted to share a couple things about me, and that that dovetail very nicely into your story. And so, back in 2014, I was running a sports tech software as a service company, provided teams and technology for for teams and leagues, mostly in the fan engagement space loyalty programs and websites. And so we looked very closely at time play. This would have been probably the fall of 2014. And we absolutely loved the idea. 
And we kind of, not exactly, we, we kind of copied it. And so the biggest difference in what we built, uh, which it all sat within a loyalty program for a sports team, we built a, a prop-based game. So, you know, who's going to win the coin toss? Who's going to score first? Like, how many field goals are there going to be? It was all, this was all in the CFL, right, right at the beginning. And the use case was a little different than your use case. So we weren't focused on getting people to the venue early, at least at that point. We were focused on creating engagement in the couple of days before the game. Clearly, a CFL football game has a lot less frequency than a movie in a theater. But it was the idea that you can play that game right up until kickoff, puck drop, tip off, because we ran it actually. We ended up having many other clients on the platform in different sports. So thinking about the mobile experience, which is yeah. what time play is all about, have you tried to figure out how to solve the problem of getting people to engage in time play before they actually make it to the movie theater. So whether that's earn extra scene points if you're going, or maybe if you have a pregame or you, if, you, if you won that game, you can get the best seats in the house. Any kind of incentive uh, to make that experience and the value that, that the time play user gets in the theater that much better. Yes, and, and 100% that is something we, we, we think about solving all the time. If you think about our, our past, uh, one, of the, one of the challenges for time play, but also one of the successes in the same breath, let me explain, is that people would only, we're not an app like CNN or Spotify or whatever, like people would open up our app once every three months. The fact that it would stay on people's phones because it's tied to, uh, you know, visitation of a movie theater. So, and, and that is, you know, four or five times a year. So those were the only times that it was being open. The fact that it stayed on people's phones with all the pressure of the leading apps and everything is the success story part of it. The challenge was to connect the dots between the experiences to make us relevant and get people to open up in between. And, um, you know, some of the things that we're, we're looking at, at, well, first of all, now that we're running at home, I think uh, uh, breaks that down and opens that up significantly because now instead of playing uh, once every three months, uh, people can play uh, with the, the, the product we have, Time Play Live, they can play three times a week right now and that will continue to grow. So that would be the first way of so-called connecting the dots. But the other things that we're going to be doing uh, to uh, uh, increase the stickiness uh, between experiences is, you know, I mentioned earlier that time play is all about, it's, it's all about a social experience at the end of the day. That's the outcome. You just connect people together socially through technology. Uh, and, you know, uh, so doing things before you talk about Mark, like, you know, like registering for us to play in a certain room against your friends, um, you know, competing against them, like, so that you can see each other on the, on the leaderboard, tracking each other, that sort of stuff. That's where, that's where this is heading. And that's some of the pre stuff that um, I think you're 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 referencing, like getting involved more before the experience, pre-experience. No, it's exciting. I just wanted to make sure that the audience kind of understood just how vast like the time play platform is and what it's capable of. And in many in many viewpoints, you know, you could say that you're you're just getting started, really. You know, every day we're just getting started, like with how fast this space uh, is is moving. That's how I feel, and that's what makes it you know so so exciting. When I was prepping for our chat today, I, I read about a competition that you ran on, on the platform uh, for money uh, in the theaters. 
And now that I know a little bit more about you and your, your background, you know, in the, at least the casino business, um, I was curious to get your take on what's coming here well, in Canada and, and it'll come to Ontario, uh, which is, uh, basically they call it eye gaming. Um, so, uh, you know, gambling through your phone, it, there is an expectation that, uh, it will be regulated and licensed. So thinking about that, not that you have thought about it a lot, but I still wanted to get your take on it. Do you think that there's a place for time play, uh, as a, you know, as a, as an iGaming platform for money, uh, in the future? Well, I would, I would go harken back to what you said that you kind of copied us when you were <laughs> in your, in your business. So you, you, you definitely saw that that idea would work and, and we've definitely talked about it and just haven't gone too far because of obviously the, uh, regulatory landscape, but, uh, uh, you know, things like, um, prop betting, absolutely like the ability, again, what time play does is it creates a very high penetration of people with the phone in hand, looking at a screen. So right off the bat, you kind of set the rock bed and that's what I think is, you know, a major gateway to get people to want to start clicking once they're, once they have the phone in their hand and they're tying a phone to a screen, which we do, you know, at that point, it's anyone's game. And, and that's, there is an opportunity, you know, to, to opt in impulse, uh, buy-ins, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, I think the fact that what we do is the gamification that we offer is the formula to get people to set up to with their phone and screen, which again, is, is probably a huge call it, um, turning point in order to then go further and deeper in, into the experience. So a hundred percent, it is something that uh, would make sense for our platform and we're uh we're definitely exploring it that's great it's great looking always looking forward to seeing more so kind of my last question um thinking about you know the future of the four wall experience not the living room experience what do you think it's it's going to take um beyond you know a vaccine and herd immunity what do you what do you think it's going to take for the for the physical movie theater industry to to get back on its on its feet I, I think I think that uh, it, it, some of the I, I'm not I'm I'm obviously aware of what goes on in the um, in the theater industry not like you know not not like day to day but kind of broad issues and I think what happened in COVID um, accelerated things that were going to happen already in other words there was always this like gray area or you know potential fearmonger at some point about streaming vis-a-vis -vis theaters and that just got accelerated and there's a lot of news about that and release times and when does it go on streaming platforms or theater so that all that stuff is kind of played out in COVID. That being said, I, I go back to what time play offers and I think cinema offers the same thing. It's a social experience that will never, um, will never go away. So I do think it'll take time obviously and I'm sure it's the same with sports. I know I've seen studies where it probably is going to take longer for people to have the confidence to go to a crowded arena or theater than you, you might think, even with vaccinations. I think it's just a confidence thing. And so, so I think it's, uh, that, that's going to play out over time. Uh, the interesting thing I would say, too, is just to put a little spice this conversation up with some. I'm also close to cruise ships, which have probably been a hit harder than cinema. They've been anchored um, literally since day one and they're trying to get going and they're dealing with regulatory stuff and everything and that they got a lot of bad pr at the beginning of all this and 
Uh, when I talk to my partners in the cruise business, their bookings are actually up versus 2019 um, before COVID. So people are, I think, chopping at the bit uh, to get on board. So I do think there's definitely um, a confidence. It's just a question of for different industries, you know, how long it takes to kind of, you know, climb up that hill. But I think it, I think it, I think everything will eventually come back. Well, between cinemas and cruise ships, um, you, you definitely have clients there who desperately need your help. That's for sure. Um, now on, on the Backstage Project podcast, we always like to ask uh, our guests kind of the same kind of questions as we, as we close out our conversation. So I wanted to ask you a, a couple here. So Aaron, if you had to pick you know, one moment in your career that uh, you thought was the most memorable, which one would it be? Hmm. It, uh, it, it's, it's, it's tough to, it's tough to answer because, you know, working with in the different businesses that I've worked in, in my uh, career, there it's, it's been a, an amazing uh, ride. Um, I would, I would probably say I would stick with um, time play. And I think um, the reason, the reason it's, it's probably the biggest accomplishment is that when we first launched, many years ago in the theater, there were ads at the same time on the screen to put your phone away, turn it off. There was a stigma to using your phone. So there's a major like brick wall in front of us. And it was tough going at the beginning. And there were like, I think five or six of us in the company. I remember we were launching um, uh, at Cineplex, a, pi a pilot program in a bunch of theaters. And we were like, uh, we were each in the theaters on walkie talkies at the time or whatever. Maybe we had a conference line open on the phone, making sure everything was going okay. Like it was literally grass level uh, launch, you know, talk about skin in the game. It was like all in and then some, and plus the environment of like, you know, poo-pooing phones and they're, you know, sacrilege to pull out your phone. So, and then also advertisers that were skeptical about uh, this this platform, and finally, a, pla a technology that was um, was not a hundred percent battle tested at the same time. So combine all those things going on at the same time, and 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 we actually made it. So um, that's that's the time I look back on, you know, real uh, really affectionately in my in my own uh, career, just because we we turned um, we we made uh, uh, something out of nothing. And we carved out a completely new space, and uh, you know perhaps HQ even saw what we were doing and decided to innovate on top of that. Not sure, but uh, we you know we really essentially put ourselves uh, on the map in light of all those um, circumstances at the time. That, that's a great story. Thanks, thanks for sharing that. And it's uh, that those moments of anxiousness and anxiety. Uh, I've had them many times in my career, so I would appreciate you sharing that with us. If you could, is there is there one name in particular um, who would have been on the on your cinema client side? I think that was would have been with Cineplex, but I'm not sure. But one person who who you would mention, which was the difference maker in giving you that big break, that proof of concept. Yeah, I would say it's the chief operating officer of Cineplex, Dan McGrath. Uh, he he was the main uh, point of contact, and he he saw the the opportunity, and he was um, he was patient. Uh, you know, and when you're developing apps, uh, you know, there's bugs and there's issues, and obviously Cineplex um, is very um, 
you know, passionate about delivering a great product. And, you know, if there's bugs and hiccups, that kind of can go against it. So there was some patience in the early going and there was support and there was investment and, uh, yeah, and, and, and overall great re relationship from top to bottom. But I think it all started with um, Dan buying into the vision because it definitely was a vision when you're talking about 2012 for uh, in light again of the things that were going on a, a product uh, like this. So it wasn't uh, like a slam dunk. This is going to work for sure. There were definitely questions in the industry about, about it. But again, we were able to um, to be successful in, in uh, delivering the proposition. So for our listeners who might be dreaming up, dreaming up a, uh, a product and have a big client like a Cineplex or bigger in mind to kind of test it with, I think what Aaron shared is, is, is really great insight, which is sometimes it really does take kind of the key decision maker at the top to take that risk. And so thinking about time play, you're, you're just, you're in so many industries, the way that I look at it. I mean, it's media. It's, it's activation it's sponsorship, it's technology engagement. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure it's probably hard to describe everything that you are because it is so many things, but thinking about people who are listening to the podcast, whether they are an entrepreneurs or developers, or they're in the sports space or entertainment. I mean, I'm just crossing the gamut here for people that are, that are looking to kind of crack into the business at, in any of those kinds of sectors, what, what kind of advice do you have for those, those sorts of folks? Uh, I'd say a, a couple things. It uh, like let's come full circle to our conversation. I think the most important trait is passion. I've worked with a lot of people. Uh, I've worked with people who have like high-end education, and then there's some people that you know are more street smarts. And it doesn't really matter uh, background, skill, skill set. Honestly, like it all starts with passion because. You may not have the skill set, but if you have a passion to want to achieve something, you will get the skill set. So the first thing I would say is passion is critical, and it always has been. And that's why I I make sure that you know I I, I kind of seize the day every day, whatever's in front of me. So I think passion is critical. And the other thing I would say is devil in the detail, um, and and execution is strategic. Like. A lot of people love to work on the big picture stuff, especially in marketing. It's like, whoa, what are we going to do? What are we going to dream up? But at the end of the day, it's the execution that's the rock bed that holds everything up. And if there's one little element that's missing, the whole house of cards can come down. So execution may be seen as annoying, pain in the butt, you know, a lot of work for it. But at the end of the day, it's absolutely critical and more so in the entertainment business where you're, you know, uh, uh, it's, it, it, things are going to go wrong and, and, and it's all about presentation and people are paying money to play your product or whatever. So the stakes are incredibly high, but so I would say even more so in, in our business, it's so uh, critical. Uh, you put it so, so well there. And the concept of, you know, I, we say it another way sometimes on the podcast, which is, you know, ideas are cheap and, and execution is everything. So before we, we kind of let you go today, um, I just wanted to make sure the audience knew how to engage with, I think it's Time Play Live, mm -hmm. while we're still kind of at home looking for sources of entertainment. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that, Mark. So uh, yeah, so Time Play Live has taken the cinema experience you all know and love home, and I, we've actually made it better. Uh, in the cinema, it was three minutes. It's now 12 minutes at home. Uh, the prizing is better. You can win more scene points. There's a lot of bells and whistles. And, talking about betting, you can double down, you can actually bet on yourself in the game. So there's definitely new features that people wouldn't have seen 
you know, the content is, is uh, you know, movies and other categories that, that people love. Um, so right now, as I mentioned, we're running uh, three times a week, uh, Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. And all you need to do, it's the same time play app that you may already have on your phone, update it or download it. And then you just um, follow the instructions in the app. You're going to connect your your PC, your smart TV, you can go on the browser and Amazon Fire, you go to timeplay.tv and you're gonna connect your phone to the screen just like in the theater. And uh, you're gonna, you know, you get to play on your couch in your pajamas. Well, that sounds great. I will I will do it with my kids. It'll be bragging rights in the silver household before too long. Aaron, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you educating us, telling us about your experience. Um, congratulations, you've, you've accomplished a ton. And even though you've been at at time play for a long time uh it, again so much more that we think you're going to accomplish there from everything you've shared with us today thanks for having me uh, mark and i look forward to seeing your name on that leaderboard the backstage project podcast is brought to you by ready set go they help organizations create extraordinary digital products to learn more go to readysetgo.design if you would like to get in touch with mark and the team at the backstage project podcast please email us at info at tpbpodcast.com.